welcome to the Property Portfolio Podcast with Mark Stokes and Nigel Green. Every week we inspire and guide you towards success in the world of property development, mentorship and fundraising. Before we jump into today's episode, a reminder to join us at equacademy.co.uk where you can gain free access to hundreds of videos and templates to help you on your property development journey. I'm Mark Stokes, and I'm delighted to have a very special guest here for you today. So I'd like to introduce you to Joseph Falante. Well, Hi, good morning, Mark. How are you doing? Very well indeed, thank Pleasure you. Pleasure to meet you. Many of our listeners will will know your name, but could you just give us a couple of minute overview of your background, who you are? Of course I will. So as you said, my name is Joseph Falante. I'm 28 years of age. I'm CEO of a company called Impragas Limited. I have multiple ventures, keynote speaker, and I'm just launching a book. I won the BBC's Apprentice in 2015, as many of you may have seen me. And I'll hold off on the rest for now, because I want to tell you a bit more when the questions get running. Fantastic. Wow, what a background. Delighted to have you here on this episode. So maybe winding back uh, many years, Joseph, what would be the first memories you have of entrepreneurship and and when did you first start showing interest? I think for me in the very, very early days when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So it was it was tricky, you know, and I always looked at my parents as hard as my mum used to work and I used to look at other people. And in this case, particularly my uncle who was very wealthy and I could never quite understand the difference between one and the difference between the other and how in their lifetimes, things were so different. I couldn't work it out. And that made my mind think that there must be something that we have the power to do as individuals that is allows us to elevate ourselves and get to you know the next the next level really. And that's when my brain got really ticking. But that wasn't my first venture. So I can move on and tell you about that if you like. Yeah, yeah. Which really came at the age of about six or seven. And I won't say too much on it because there's a lot of it in the book, but it goes back to those old football stickers, Merlin football stickers, where we used to collect those Premier League albums and how I found myself at seven years of age going up to the older end of the playground, trying to do swaps on these stickers. But then I found that everybody sort of had the same ones and I didn't have any money to buy any more. But what I did have was a big pile of stickers that needed somehow selling. So I went home that evening, packaged them into 10 or 11 stickers per pack, stapled some paper over them, me and my sister, then took them in the next day and basically sold a lot. Fantastic. Love that. And I can really relate to that in the in the virtual sense now. My kids are on FIFA and they seem to be opening packs of players and things in a virtual awesome. sense now. <laughs> it's amazing how much it's changed. Oh, incredible. So that was your that was your first taster and uh, clearly got rid of some old trading cards for you and yep. made your first profits. Hundred percent. And the buzz that comes with that. Exactly right. Excellent. So with so some of your family members' um, success in the past has, has obviously been a, a key influence. Mm-hmm. Any particular pieces of advice that people might have given you over the years that have stuck with you? I think very, very early on, one time my uncle said to me, don't wait for opportunity, create it. And that has basically become my iconic statement that I live and die by, um, you know, and everything that I've achieved 
in the last 28 years has been on that statement. And that's so, so important for all these young entrepreneurs to understand is that nobody is going to do it for you. You know, you need to get out there. You need to take control. You need to understand that your parents, your teachers, your mentors will only take you so far, will only give you so much advice. But it is down to you to deliver. It is down to you to create those opportunities. And it's down to you to not sit down and wait for them. Get off your backside and go and do something. Excellent, excellent advice, and clearly advice you've taken to heart uh, in the, uh, the the last few years as your business in progress has, has grown, and also um, with your experiences on The Apprentice, of which many millions will have, will have seen you. Could you maybe give us a bit of background on The Apprentice? Uh, yeah, of course I can. So realistically, what I did. So if I if I just rewind a little bit, just so I can give a bit more into where I started, and then I'll show you how I got to The Apprentice. So at fifteen. Okay, I was expelled from school. Rightly or wrongly, it wasn't a great time for me. But I had a lot of issues going on. I found it very, very hard at school to deal with authority, you know, and to go along with the general way that they were taught, you know, when we were taught. And after that, I went on, became a qualified plumber, did an apprenticeship, and moved into starting my own business at the age of 22. So I got there realistically by reading Lord Sugar's autobiography. Uh, My mum got me that for Christmas. And I read it over a two or three week period. You know, that little bit of downtime between Christmas and New Year. And that book did something special for me. That book flicked a switch inside me. That book showed me that you can come from nothing, can in one lifetime achieve billionaire status. You know, and I was like, whoa, if he can do it, why can't I? What has he got that I haven't? And I genuinely couldn't see what he had. And that was the strange thing. So off the back of that, I quit my job, took out a £15,000 loan and started Improgas. And then we'll talk a little bit more about that in a while. But I built that business up very, very quickly. Got to a point where I wanted exposure, cash and mentorship. The apprentice came up and then I applied. Now, the apprentice process was pretty crazy. I mean, there's about 60,000 people that apply each year and you have to go along to a whole host of auditions doing a whole host of crazy tasks that are off camera just to be seen, to be noticed, to be TV worthy, I suppose. And um, they really push and test and see what you're made of. One particular one is standing in a line in a room of 30 people and putting yourself in order of who's the best and who's the worst. You know, and for me, I was at the front fighting with people for number one spot, literally pushing them out of the way. And at that point, one person turned around and said to me, and I'm going a little bit off on a tangent, but this is very, very important. She said to me, oh, you're arrogant. Who do you think you are? And I said, listen, love, they're going to remember me. They won't remember you. Okay. And it's so, so important. If you're going to do something big, as, as arrogant and as confident as that may have been, I wasn't there to take part. I was there to win. And when in life, you're here to win. You're not here to take part. And you have to do these things to stand out. So basically, yeah. And, and there, was a lot of, there was a lot of hard, tricky things in the audition process. Got through that and got on the show. You, you strike me as the, the person who's very comfortable being outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. I'm sure that pushed you outside your comfort zone 
every day in a very different environment. It did. And you are, you're, you're right. I mean, it does actually make me feel nervous and sick as much as I don't portray it. You know, I am sometimes nervous when I do these things, but also I have to overkill that with confidence. You know, you have to, everyone's going to be nervous. Everyone's going to be scared. Everyone's not sure that they can always do something. But when those feelings, when that doubt creeps in, you have to kill it. You have to destroy it immediately because there's no room for self-doubt. You have to be your biggest backer. And if you don't back yourself, then who else is going to, you know? And when you got onto the show and when you get into that process, Everybody always says to me, Joe, did you really believe that you could win from day one, from the day that I applied, from the day that I put my name into the application details on Facebook, online, I'd already won. I had to. I had to believe that. You can't go into something like that believing that there's a chance that you could lose. Everyone says, who's your competition? Nobody. There is no competition. Yeah. You know, as, as mad as that may seem, it's the reality. I just love that quote from Michael Jordan he said competition I'm competing with what I'm capable of yeah forget the competition there isn't you know absolutely what what's at the bottom of your reserve tank what you can achieve absolutely what are you prepared to do you know yeah in fact we were talking as we were setting up the podcast weren't we about putting yourself out of your comfort zone and um, the world of social media you're doing a lot of publicity at the moment aren't you a lot of social media a lot of filming and over the last uh, couple of years, I've procrastinated doing this podcast mm-hmm. as, as an example. Started a couple of months ago, but sometimes you just got to make a start and perfect later. And I guess you've had that experience in business as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, social media is is the platform to build yourself a you know a whole host of different avenues, and you know you can really get yourself out there. And it's all about content, content, content. You know, you can wait to make things perfect, but look, here it's seven a.m. We're sat in my apartment, and you know it's we're having a great time, and we're getting some good business lessons out of there. But you have to take the bull by the horns. I think what you're trying to get to and get me to say is you have to get the, take the bull by the horns. You have to take the bull by the horns, you know, and just get on and do it. When I say something's going to happen, it happens within an instant. Okay. You cannot procrastinate, you know, as much as sometimes you do, once you finally do it, you realize you could have done it ages ago. And that's the annoying thing. When I started business at 22, I knew I could have done it at 21 or 20 or 19, but I didn't because I thought there was some mythical, magical, crazy process that needed to happen behind it. But once you look into how it really works, it's simple. It's so, so simple. So it's all about taking action. It's all about making things happen today. And when you say it's going to happen, deliver every single time. Absolutely. Under promise, over deliver. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, Lord Sugar has clearly been a, a key influence uh, in, in your life and, and in business. I'm sure our audience would love to hear maybe what Lord Sugar's really like. Is he as driven as he as, as he comes across? He is. I mean, you know, and, and it was his autobiography that got me started in business, you know, and it's just that pure ambition and that drive that you get from him that really wants to inspire you to go on and, and, and do something, you know, and in the boardroom on the TV, he is brutal. He is hardcore. He is short, sharp, and wants a response immediately. And if you haven't got an answer within three seconds, that's clean and clear, you're finished. 
You know, he puts his hand up, that's your time. You've, you've spoken and that's all you've got. So I learned very, very early on, and it's a lesson that I've now taken into the business world, was that when I talk to him, when I speak, I speak quickly, cleanly, concisely, and straight to the point. No waffle. No waffle. Because these people don't want to hear it. They don't have time. And I've sort of adopted that, you know, as as the MD, as the CEO of Imprigas. That's what I'm like. You know, it's you don't want to hear somebody go a mile round when they could have just gone straight in front to give her the answer. So he was a hard, scary guy to deal with. But after dealing with him for so long, it's taught me that I can handle myself in front of anybody. And I know that I can come out of there winning. Fantastic. So there'll be young people, parents possibly influencing and trying to open out that life of choice available to, to our younger generation. What advice would you give younger people who maybe want to set up a business at an early age? Just get out there and do it. I mean, you can wait for perfection, but perfection will never come. You have to keep striving for it, but it's hard to achieve. And people don't start through fear of it not being perfect, through fear of their, you know, venture not being ready, through fear of failure. And this is a really good lesson. And you will always fail. Failure is education. Failure should be embraced. And it's not something to be scared of. It's not something to be embarrassed about. It's something that we all have to go through. Everybody in their life has failed. Doesn't matter whether they're Lord Sugar, Richard Branson, Warren Buffett, you know, myself, yourself, whoever it is, we've all failed, right? Yeah. You know, and people are scared to do it and they don't want to feel embarrassed. They don't want to have to show their friends or family that they've lost money or it didn't work. But so what? Once it fails, you move on, you get on to the next and you crack on. Absolutely. The the learning that comes from it is just priceless. It's it's about evolution, isn't it? But the thing is, when you fail, fail quickly, you know, and that's that's the one. Don't fail and then go, oh, no, no, don't let it knock your confidence and stop for two years. We're running out of time. Every single day that goes by, we're running out of time on this planet. So if you fail, you fail fast. Once you've made a mistake, right, okay, how am I going to fix it and how are we going to move on to the next? And that's the important thing. We ain't going to live forever. So get on with it now. Now you, now, you mentioned an important word there. You mentioned confidence. And I've had the privilege of listening and, and reading a chapter of your, your first book. Mm-hmm. And uh, self-belief and confidence isn't something that you're, you're short of. And clearly, you've been incredibly successful in, in business. Um, so I want to turn to your, to your book. I'm absolutely fascinated and was sat here in your lounge here. I've got a pile of, of books in front of me, the billionaire boardroom. Maybe could you give us uh, some insight into the reasons and drivers behind the book and how you've approached it? Yeah. So the book's called Expelled from the Classroom to Billionaire Boardroom. It launches on the 15th of November, Amazon, iTunes, Waterstone. And the real reason that I wrote the book was to show people what's possible, was to show people what you can achieve when you when you come from nothing, but also when the world can be seen to go against you, where you're constantly losing, when you're constantly failing, but you've got that sickening belief, that sickening self-confidence, that that ability to never want to give up because you have to prove everybody and yourself right, or sorry, everybody wrong. 
and yourself right. And that's really what the book does because it shows in a nutshell how when I was expelled at 15, I started an apprenticeship at 16, had seven apprenticeships in two years where I lost jobs, started jobs at 19, quit my job, took out a £6,000 loan and went on a private gas course at 20, earning £40,000 working on a job in London. At 21, quitting my job and going to Australia. At 22, starting a business. At 25, going on to The Apprentice. At 27, buying Lord Sugar out. And finally, sitting here, doing what I'm doing and operating a multi-million pound organization. And now, that's a story in 12 years that's got excitement, lessons, inspiration, motivation, and I just want people to be inspired by the journey like I was with Lord Sugars because if I hadn't have picked that book up and started reading, if I hadn't have read that book, I don't know how long it would have taken me to get started because sometimes we do need that bit of inspiration. We do need to see that somebody else is just another human being. They're not some magical figure that's had a special life. You know, and they are normal. And if you can do it, so can they. And that's really what it's about. Well, certainly from the from the first chapter that, that I've read, I can foresee I'll be interviewing somebody for Inspiring a Young Entrepreneur podcast in the years to come. And they will say that their inspiration was reading your book and how you turned them into entrepreneurs and gave them that drive. Good. I mean, if I can just change one person with it, that's all that matters to me. Fantastic. So the process of writing a book is pretty pretty big challenge. That's not something that comes naturally to most people. Yeah, it was. And and literally after I bought Lord Sugar Rao, it gave me the opportunity to then begin self-promotion once again, because when you win The Apprentice, you go into a solid contract, which means that you have to focus on your business. You're not allowed to go back on TV, do anything that's promotion that's not related directly to the company. You have to get on and work. I felt very locked down and as soon as I bought him out, I was like, right, I want, to, I want to write a book. I want to tell people, you know, what's really gone on. I want to tell people about my journey. And I'm not a writer and my grammar's not great, you know. And what I decided to do was get a ghostwriter on board. And people say, oh, you're not supposed to say that you've got a ghostwriter. I don't mind saying that I've got a ghostwriter. I sat with her for hours on hours on hours, giving her my story. And she portrayed it in a beautiful way. She portrayed it like it actually happened. And it allowed me to really get creative and concentrate on telling her what happened rather than having to sit there and put it into context. And it was it was brilliant. I loved every single second of it. I loved every single moment of it. It wasn't a daunting task for me. It was exciting. And as it pieced together time after time, you know, to see the finished article sat here in front of us right now is a very, very proud moment, you know, and I can't wait for people not just to read the taster chapter, but to read the whole thing. It's, it's incredible. The Many of us feel as though we've got a book inside us. Now, I'm currently writing one myself, and, and it's a real inspiration to talk to somebody who's actually doing one here and now and about to go through through their launch. And incidentally, I have a feeling this might be volume one mm-hmm. for you. I'm sure there's uh, there's some more books for you in, in the future, just having had a glimpse of this book, recording the, the undoubted success you're going to have in the future. So just remind us when this book is going to be launched. 
Okay, so the book's going to be launched on November the 15th. It's going to be launched live on the Joseph Valente show, and that's streamed from my Periscope, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okay, you can buy it in Amazon, Waterstones Online, iTunes, and we're going to be releasing the Audible version for those people that like to listen, and I'm one of those, in December, just before Christmas. Brilliant. Something for the Christmas stocking for everyone. That's the the plan. Absolutely brilliant. So looking at your plans at the moment, you've got a very successful business in in Improgress, which you're clearly very passionate about. Turning to the future and large-scale visions, are you a believer in long-term large visions? How, How do you approach that? Could you share your thoughts with us? It's tricky because you should always begin with the end in mind. I'm a strong believer in that and seeing where you want to get to. But you know, these things do change. And Impregas is a growing organization that has so many, many years to reach its potential. I will focus very strongly on making sure that it delivers that potential. For myself, I'm also working on some additional ventures. So the Joseph Valente Academy is launching in 2018, and that will be very much focused around teaching startups how to get started in business. And it is very much focused on helping young entrepreneurs. So this is a brilliant place to showcase it. Going on and developing my property developer career, as we spoke about earlier, and you're very much in property. And, you know, writing additional books, doing a lot more social media, entrepreneur content. I absolutely buzz and thrive off this. You know, it's, it's exciting for me. I do it without wanting to be paid for it. I do it because I just enjoy it. And it's nice to have that, you know, as you were saying earlier, you do this because it motivates you and you're inspired by it and you're passionate by it. You know, and what a great thing to have. What a great thing to be able to do because people, so many people see work as stress and aggravation and, you know, they don't want to do their day job. Well, let me tell you, when you start your business and you're passionate about it and you do the things that you really want, the 18 hours that you're going to do every day doesn't feel like a day job. It feels like a lifestyle. So, you know, don't carry on making other people rich and look for what you really want to do and what you really want to get out of life because you've only got one chance and one shot to do it. Exactly. That that preservation of your time is the most valuable resource you've got. As I gradually started to uh, immerse myself in property investment over, over the many years, I've seen a number of a number of references, I guess, from people of my age, and I'm in, I'm on my uh, I'm 48 actually tomorrow. Happy birthday so, tomorrow! Thank you. And a lot of people will talk about creating a legacy, and clearly you've you've got a, a glittering array of, of assets that you're creating. So a real passion of mine is, is not just looking at the assets, but looking at the custodianship behind that, those assets, and that custodianship will be in the knowledge, the transfer, and the support for for our younger people in our life as they come to maybe take over our roles in business. And also I have four children, so the custodianship of that knowledge in my children who can then take over that legacy and take it to obviously, you know, increase and better times in the future. So I'm fascinated by your academy for 2018 and I'll be really, really keen to to see how that develops. That's amazing. You know, and it is about creating that legacy. And that's and that's amazing that that's what you're doing, you know, and, and for your children, it's so important to do. And everything that I'm building is I see this going on for the generations of the Valente family, you know. 
I started from the bottom, but I will give them a platform. Hopefully they do something special with it. And by the third or fourth generation, fingers crossed, they're, you know, really, really doing something incredible, you know, and hopefully they remember great, 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 great granddaddy Joseph (laughs) was the one that started it all. Fingers crossed. I'm sure they will. (laughs) You mentioned um, you you were expelled from school at, at 15. So have you any thoughts on the education system, what it's good at, what it isn't, and how it maybe possibly does or doesn't serve our youngsters moving forward? Yeah, I mean, in a very selfish way, I always say that the curriculum wasn't right for me because I don't learn academically, I learn practically. And I found or felt that going to certain lessons that I wasn't any good at, and I wasn't ever going to be any good at, was a waste of my time. Don't send me to art if I can't draw and then tell me that I'm no good at it. I know I'm no good at it. I'm not an artist, you know, and I understand that they can't tailor the curriculum to individual needs and it has to be to an extent a one size fits all model to give you, you know, basics or, you know, even further on from that information in each of the classes. But it was tough. It was very, very tough. I had a lot of things going on at home. You know, I wasn't great in the position where I was. And that didn't transpire very well into being told what to do. I hated it and I wouldn't stand for it. And I, was, I wasn't I was a great person to at that time. But the education system from the talks that I do in schools now, it's really, really changing. It really is. They are developing it. It is getting better, you know, and you've come from a whole career of being in the construction industry and that lacked substantially for a lot of the end generations that want to work in a practical vocational environment but schools seem to be really embracing that now and they've got a lot of courses going on for all of those people that don't want to do textbook learning that are much better with their hands that will be the engineers of tomorrow and that's good and that's nice to see and if maybe I had a little bit more of that I would have done better, but at the same time, I was probably a little bit unteachable at that time, but now I'm older and I'm wiser and having education is very, very important and you can excel much further in business if you're able to use that education to your advantage. You mentioned you weren't uh, maybe very, very gifted at art, but I, I firmly believe that we're all born with talents and we're all born with creativity and you've used that positive creativity talents that you've obviously got in in establishing your your businesses and your business interests and you know, everything you're doing from writing the book to social media so that creativity does lie within us doesn't it from a very early age yeah 100 percent. i mean if you're looking in at art from a creative perspective yes i've probably got it in abundance but if you're looking about drawing a stick man is about all <laughs> on <manage. laughs> So a question that quite often comes up, Joseph, is is time management and, and how I or, or many of our guests structure their time. So could you maybe give a, a view on the challenges you have with, with time management and how you might structure your day-to-day? Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to manage time because you know there is so much noise. And when you get all of that noise going on and all of the different tasks that you've got to do, prioritizing them, putting them in order is a challenge. And it's one that I'm not perfect at. And it does take time. It's a skill set that you need to develop, you know, and it's it's really understanding what's important, what can wait, what can really wait. 
and getting through them effectively. And at the beginning, before you become efficient and you get good at it, you have to exchange more time, which means that something that you could do in 12 hours might actually take 18, but so be it until you learn it and you get better. Of course, it also starts with a healthy respect for yourself to get you in the best position you can possibly be in then you can help others to there. Exactly to their right, you know, and you can't do it without learning how to do it. And it does seem quite a daunting thing. I remember I used to read and watch podcasts and listen about people talking about time management and how they were good at it and all the things they did. And I was like, I'm terrible at this. You know, I don't do any of these things and it's hard. And don't be scared by it. You're not going to be perfect at it straight away. But start to do it with a small chunk of your day between eight and nine. What am I going to do between that period? And I'm going to make sure that I do it as efficiently and as quickly as possible. And then you start to roll it out don't plan your whole 12 hours and expect it to be fully systemized tomorrow because you ain't got a chance in hell there's a great video i don't know whether you've seen it of a a famous seal commander and he's given a presentation he said the first task of the day is hugely important and if that's just making your bed at least you can get out of bed and you know you've accomplished your first task of the day tick 100 success and even if you have a bit of a crappy day you at least you're coming back to a well made <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's brilliant. I've seen that on social media, actually. It's gone viral. Oh, it's just fantastic. I love it. So good habits are clearly a key. Any feelings on some some good habits that you've got that you could share with us and, and maybe some that your 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 insight might help um, some of our viewers to, to change some of their habits? I mean, good habits, I think, has a direct relation to self-discipline, you know, and to, and to be in these habits. You have to be disciplined to do them. You know, and it's it's starting with things like making sure as simple as you're getting up on time. That's one step before making your bed. Don't keep snoozing. Don't push yourself to be late for the day because then that has a whole knock-on effect. So get up when you set your alarm, you know, and really just making sure that you are disciplined in the things that you want to deliver. You know, if you really want something, you will start to make sacrifices and that's important. You can't be rich. You can't be wealthy. You can't build a business. You can't be a ballet dancer, a footballer, a champion boxer. If you're not prepared to sacrifice the day to day, if you're not prepared to sacrifice playing the PlayStation, watching the X factor, watching TV, you know, going out with your friends, Getting into good habits is learning to discipline and make sacrifices for the greater good, for the things that you really want to achieve. And we are in a a nation now of young people that do expect. They expect things to be given to them, you know, and they are not going to be given to you. That mindset needs destroying immediately. Things aren't just going to come. What did I say earlier? You are going to go and get them. You don't wait for opportunity you create it. Get in the good habits now, because if you don't, you won't get what you want. And how important has it been for you to surround yourself with great people who are very influential? Vital, vital to the success, because those people, number one, can show you what's achievable. If you can't see what they're doing, what they're up to and how they've done it, you're very much thinking that there's no option for you. And I was like that very, very early on and for quite a while, you know, I I couldn't really see and my uncle helped me to see that. But getting in front of influential people, listening to them, being inspired by them and really learning from their mistakes. 
really learning from their mistakes. And once again, it's all about time. It's all about time. It's not about money. It's about time. And, you know, the quicker that you can learn from what somebody's done wrong and save yourself a couple of weeks or six months or a year, especially in business, okay, that means that you're going to excel and it means that you're going to reach your goals quicker. And that's what it's all about, right? Absolutely right. And your audience and uh, the people who connect with you, that must be going viral for you at the moment. You have some great content on social media. So how have you changed your habits to embrace social media and the modern? It's been tricky. And, you know, we've had to put a lot of content out there. And this actually goes back into time management and, and really getting into those good habits and being disciplined, getting on the Insta story, posting on Twitter, doing the live Q&As, you know, doing all of the stuff, putting the pictures out there that you struggle to do within the daytime. Social media can take over your life being on it all of the day, but it is being disciplined and it's making sure you do things systemized. And that really, really helps. You know, the passion obviously helps, but doing things systemized and having somebody that can get you back on track when you're... um, swerving off it and that's the importance about having a mentor okay is get you back on track because i have a very good social media company that i work with and if i haven't posted a video when they've told me to or a story then they call me up and then i get on and do it holding us to account exactly that's it absolutely so we talked about failure quite a bit and the importance of it as part of the evolutionary route to, to being successful could you maybe talk through maybe a number of real successful decisions you'd make or successful ventures? Okay, yeah. So one of my biggest successes was starting an apprenticeship. At the age of 15, when I'd been expelled from school, I went and created an opportunity. I went and found a local plumber and I said to him, look, I've got a year where I'm not doing anything. Can I come and work for you for free? Every single day, okay, I'll be on time. I'll do what you tell me. I don't want paying. I just want to learn the industry. I just want you to teach me. And then when I'm 16, start paying me and put me through college. So that was my biggest success. And that was my first real opportunity that I'd created by putting myself out there. And that ultimately led in to a spiral of my career. And, you know, I strongly believe, and it's fact that that apprenticeship got me where I am today. Because if I hadn't have started then, I wouldn't have got started and I could have very easily gone down a different path. No doubt taught you the value of hard work and you've touched on that a lot. It takes a lot of effort. It's hard work to become successful, isn't it? Ridiculous, ridiculous. And it, and it can seem like a never-ending journey, like a never-ending journey when you, you're 16 and you're getting paid £80 a week and your boss is treating you like crap and you're working long hours and you can't really see one day, when am I going to get that nice car and get paid and all of that type of stuff? But you've got, once again, that sickening belief and that vision to know you will get there. And now, at 28, when I'm in a position where I'm in a financial place where I feel comfortable... Um, you know, and I'm platforming to success all of the time. And it's nice. But all of a sudden, it's weird. You just one day you wake up and you're there. And you forget about the 12 years that you put in, you know, and that's for everybody that gets older and wiser and realizes. 
But, you know, you have to work ridiculously hard for many, many years. And being an entrepreneur is 90% hard work, you know, and 10% enjoyment. Probably even less than that for, for, for many, many years until you get to a point where you've built your organization and you're making money without having to be there every single day. Then the passion comes back in, you know, and then your enjoyment becomes bigger and that percentage starts to work itself in in a stronger position. Yeah, you, you mentioned it earlier on, you know, what are you prepared to put on the line? What are you prepared to sacrifice to get to where you want to go? Yeah. And you clearly have a very clear vision. And I think that clarity of that vision, I'm, I'm getting the feeling from you, that clarity of, of you achieving your vision is, is just 100% crystal clear. And, it, and I think it has to be, you know, and if you want to go on a journey, you know, and I, I want to be a billionaire, I want to, and I will be. And for me, you know, to go on that journey and to deliver and to execute and and do the things that you say you're going to do, you have to be so clear in who you are, what you want and where you're going. There's no time for second guessing. There's no time for, you know, changing your mind and doing other things. You've got a period of time between 18 to 65 to really work and deliver, you know, and, and get to where you want to get to, really, you know, and, and and you've got to use that time as effectively as possible. But I will say, you know, and for those young people out there, not everybody knows what they want to do, you know, and it does take a period of time. I can sit and tell you this confidently now because I'm here and I'm working towards it. But for the first few years, I did second guess. How am I doing the plumbing apprenticeship? Is this the right thing? Do I want to be an engineer? You know, have I chose the right job? And I didn't know. Okay. And I didn't know. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you do have to start to get your mindset thinking about what you want. Okay. You do have to start trying stuff, you know, get into something and try it. And if you don't like it, change it quickly. If you do a plumbing apprenticeship and you don't like it, get out. If you go to university and you pick the wrong course, get out. There's no point in wasting the time if you're not going to carry on doing it. Just as you were um, explaining that, um, a great quote came to mind. It was a quote from Yoda, and you either do or you do not. There yeah. is no try. Exactly right. That, that full-on commitment to achieving. And, and as you said, that I believe humility is a massive part of, uh, of a skill of being successful in business, knowing when to get in and also knowing when to get out. Yeah. And you, you're not short on the courage to make those tough decisions, are you, when you've maybe gone down a wrong track and you had to turn back? And I mean, a great lesson and probably one of the hardest decisions that I ever made was very, very recently. And... It was after three and a half years running Impregas prior to The Apprentice. Okay, we were a maintenance company that built itself on property management, servicing, breakdowns, you know, repairs of boiler installations. And when I went into business with Sugar, we wanted to expand rapidly, but we were doing very small ticket item jobs, 50 pound a call out. And there wasn't a lot of money to be made from them. And we weren't making any money. In fact, we were losing money. So what we needed to do was we needed to change the business model. And they didn't know the industry. They didn't know where to direct me. So I had to make a call. And that call was to go after boiler installations. So big ticket items, solid margins, okay, and a huge market potential. So lots that needed to be installed a year that we could really make some money from. 
And we started in August 2016. Okay, and to this August 2017, we went from zero sales to selling 2.6 million pounds worth of boilers in one year. And prior to that, we were doing 500,000 pound turnover in a whole year. But it was one of the hardest decisions I made. When you're failing and you can see something falling down and not working, to be able to go, right, stop, I need to make a decision today. And I had to transform my whole organization, the DNA. Okay, we had to, all of our engineers left us. They, they were service guys, not installers. You know, they all left, they all disappeared and they had to recruit people and change the whole office mentality, the systems and the processes while you're losing money. is a crazy, crazy place to be. But you have to make those quick, sharp decisions because people can let them go on for too long and that's where businesses fail, where they see a model that's not working and they're not prepared to change it. You know, if it's not working, change immediately. So leadership is clearly a core part of, of, of your business DNA, but also in entrepreneurship and the courage of in, within leadership to make those tough calls and to stand accountable, uh, tall and proud in front of your employees who you, you know, hugely care about. You have to make those tough decisions, don't you? Exactly right, you know, and I believe as a leader, your team will follow you into battle whatever battle it may be, you know, if it was against the Vikings, the Romans or the Egyptians, as long as you're their leader and they believe in you, they'll go up against any challenge. And once and when I bought Lord Sugar out, I had to go to my whole organization after only 16 months of being in the partnership. We said, look, I've got different want to what he's got. I want to take this business in a different direction. So I've made the call and I've bought him out. But don't you worry Okay, I've been at the helm of this business for the last five years. This organization is controlled and run and its direction is driven and always has been by me. So you're confident, your jobs are safe, but you need to believe in what I'm going to do. And when you do that and you hit something head on, okay, people will follow you into battle. And my team have followed me into battle since. And we've gone on increasing sales 100% month on month on month since the month that I bought Lord Sugar out, you know. And now they're all looking back and everybody's going, whoa, I can't believe we did this, but we've also proven a point. Or I, I don't want to take the credit, but I've proven a point that Lord Sugar wasn't needed in the organization for a long period of time. But he did really help the business when he was in it by helping put in a financial infrastructure. So you've, you've had a number of resources that have helped you, whether that be mentors in the past. Um, you've mentioned Alan Sugar's, Lord Alan Sugar's book. Your book is set to be on the, on the, the active bookshelves of, of many of our listeners in the future. Is there any other book or resource that has had an impact that you would recommend our audience to, to, to look up and check out? So The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People was one that my uncle got me onto very, very early on. And I really, really enjoyed that book. It's, it's, there's a lot to it, a lot to it. And you have to listen or read it a few times to understand it. Think and Grow Rich was one that also helps you to get into the right mindset to be able to go on and, and do the things that you want to do. Lord Sugar's autobiography, once again, fantastic. If you really want to see the journey, that helps to show you the journey of what can be achieved. And there's a whole host, a whole host of 
sales and marketing books that I've read that more tailor themselves to the individual skill that you're after at that time. So if you want to know more about sales and you read a sales book, if you want to know more about mindset, you read a mindset book and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. There's, there's a lot of generalist books out there, but it comes down to specialisms and finally honing our craft, doesn't it? Exactly right. And what you want from that. Yeah. And that humility in all of our lives of knowing actually where the areas of improvement need to be and the power of anticipation of where the market's going and mm. where you'll need those skills are hugely important. Well, look, there's some great resource there and I'll, I'll be sure to look some of those up myself. So as we draw the podcast to to a close... Could you just outline maybe a couple of top tips that you would give the the budding entrepreneurs or indeed the parents who may be listening here, how they're considering inspiring their their potential future young entrepreneurs? I think for the young entrepreneurs wanting to get started in business, it really is knowing something about what you're about to embark on. So knowing the industry that you're about to go into is important. You're not just going to pick something random. You're going to have an interest, a passion, or you're going to have a skill set within that. And really homing in that, homing in on that and understanding where you're going is vital. So knowing your industry, having the mindset and getting prepared to work ridiculously hard to achieve what you want, to achieve those goals, to become successful is so important. You have to be prepared to work ridiculously hard. Okay, one great tip that I can tell you now, which is so vital to any business is to know your numbers, understand your ingoings, your outgoings, your margin, and always know what your cash flow is because that can cripple organizations overnight. What can parents do to inspire their children, to inspire their kids to get into business or to start a successful career within an organization or to go on and learn something or become the person they want to be? Well, realistically is take the reins off. You know, your kids will fail. Your kids will make mistakes. Don't protect them too much. Don't talk them out of doing things. When I called my mum after reading Lord Sugar's autobiography and told her that I'd just taken out a £15,000 loan after just moving into a house on my own and I'd quit my job, she thought I was absolutely crazy. She thought I was mental. She didn't know how to comprehend because my mum didn't think like that. There's nothing wrong with that, but my mum didn't think like that. She didn't know how to take those risks. She'd never done it. But if I'd have listened to my mum, I wouldn't be sat here today. So I am going to say, if your parents are going to give you advice, they're going to do it with your best interest in mind, but it may not be in your best interest. So if you think your parent is wrong, okay, and you strongly believe you want to do something else, then... I will say don't listen to them. And some parents may love or hate me for that, but sometimes we hold people back thinking that they can't do something where realistically we're doing more damage to them than good by doing that. I think that is absolutely wonderful, that independence of decision-making, the, the, the responsibility and accountability that comes with screening information that you've got. You, you can never outsource decision-making, can you? You can insource all the advice you like, but you have to take responsibility for making decisions. Exactly. And that's why I've become over the years very much 
stronger on believing my instincts. And I used to go to people with ideas all the time. Look at this. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm thinking about. Why should I, should I do this? Realistically, those people convince you not to do it. They tell you it's a bad idea because their mindset doesn't comprehend that you can achieve that because they can't achieve it. So they will tell you it's no good. They will tell you it's not going to work. And that can then make you start to question yourself. But getting advice is important. But getting advice from the right people is important. Okay. You wouldn't ask a milkman how to start or build a business or are you taking a massive risk by taking out a hundred thousand pound loan there's nothing wrong with the milkman but he will never have been in that scenario he won't be able to advise you properly and he may talk you out even though he's giving you the best advice he can he probably will talk you out of it you go and ask a billionaire should i take a hundred grand loan out to start a business or a successful entrepreneur they will tell you yes you should go and do that and this is what you should be aware of so it's getting information from the right people. I think it's great, great top tips there and a huge wealth of knowledge. You're a very open person and I really appreciate the way you shared so many valuable tips, which I'm sure will help our young entrepreneurs and also the parents of those raising young entrepreneurs in the future. So as we draw the podcast to a close, have you got any other closing words you'd like to share with our audience? Thank you for listening. In the last 12 years, I have built a wealth of knowledge, okay, and that's through hard work, failure, and successes. The things that I've said today are there to be listened to. I have the credibility for you to listen to them, okay? That's proven, and I can say that because I've done it, and that means that you should listen, okay, to everything that we've said today because we're here to give you the best advice, and, and you need that at a young age. The age-old quote that I've said a few times now today is so important. Don't wait for opportunity, create it. I live by those words. Every single day, you must never wait for opportunity. You must create it. And if you follow me on social media, Twitter, at Mr. Joseph Valente, Facebook, Joseph Valente, Instagram, Joseph Valente. I'm constantly giving free content on how to motivate, how to inspire, how to work in the business world. So check me out on there. Look out for the Joseph Valente Mentoring Academy coming in 2018. And November the 15th, pick up a copy of the book, read it, get inspired, and hopefully put it to action. And Good luck in the future. Thank you for listening to the Property Portfolio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that it inspired you on the next leg of your journey. If you've got any questions or comments, why not reach out to us at our Facebook page, Equa Academy. Also, don't forget to register for free access to hundreds of property development videos and templates over at equaacademy.co.uk and we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.